so many people now ask me about being homeschooled as so many more families are considering it for their you know, young families. If you feel like homeschooling is something that you want to do for your family, perhaps it's something you're already doing, I would just say, even if it seems really hard right now, it is worth it in the long run. And I will continue to say that for years to come because I'm just so grateful for it. Welcome to the Catholic Homeschool Podcast. I am your host, Paula Siskanik, and I am so glad to be with you again. I have something special for you this week. And this week we get to meet Clara Davidson. Now, I probably have seen Clara when she was itty bitty because I've known her parents who are the founders of Holy Heroes. And I know so many of you homeschooling families know them as well. What a delight to talk with somebody who's come up through the ranks homeschooling and is now running a company and is also married with a baby. So please, I'd love to um, begin. I'm going to begin this podcast by introducing Clara. How are you, Clara? Good to meet you. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's my delight. So I'm going to read the official bio so we can get that quickly out of the way. And then we're just going to dive into those natural questions that I think a lot of homeschool moms have about, you know, homeschooling their kids and then what happens to them when they grow up. (laughs) So let's begin. Clara Davidson is the brand manager for Holy Heroes. After handling many other roles over the years since the company was founded, a proud homeschool graduate credits her non-traditional schooling for the ability to transition smoothly between a variety of professional fields and interests. Well, again, welcome, Clara. So let's dive right in. Non-traditional schooling. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, and a variety of professions. Let's first begin with you know, when did Holy Hero start? Like, what are your impressions as a kid growing up and homeschooling? Yeah, so I've been homeschooled my entire life, um, K through 12, um, though we didn't really do a lot of, I guess, traditional grades for the younger years, as many homeschoolers don't. Um, I loved being homeschooled. I never really was a kid who particularly wanted anything different besides just passing, like, oh, that'd be interesting to have a locker. I remember being very impressed by lockers as a child. Um, I didn't get on a school bus until I was in high school and I was going to um, something for our church. So I really enjoyed the whole homeschool process. I loved that it was so efficient. Um, I loved that I could get up in the morning and get my work done and then go and play, read. And then Holy Hero started when I was about 12 and I used to help pack the orders. Um, I really loved doing that. I've always been very fascinated with entrepreneurship and working in a company and how you can have a direct impact in building what it will become. So I definitely was homeschooled alongside Holy Heroes from middle school onward. 
Oh my gosh, it's so great. I mean, you're bringing back a lot of memories for myself. My my family, we we have seven children and my kids grew up around boxes in our living room, packing orders for our customers. Uh, we ran a manual books for 20 years and what a blessing to be able to grow up in that environment with your children. So how many kids in the family and where do you, where are you in that order? I am the second oldest of eight, seven girls and one boy. Oh my goodness. What is, oh my goodness. <laughs> where does yes. the one boy come in? Yeah. Where is he in the, in the mix? Uh, so it was three girls, Trey, and then four girls. Oh, right. So awesome. Dead middle. <laughs> Smack in the middle. So great. So one of the questions I think a lot of parents have, uh, especially because it sounds to me, again, everybody, was everybody homeschooled through high school? I mean, I know we did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's not possible. What about, you know, the myth of socialization? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I just laugh about that because I have a nine month old and a couple weekends ago, I, our usual babysitter was not available. She was out of town and I was trying to find someone to watch Edie for an evening. And everyone was like, Oh, my babysitter's not available. I couldn't find anyone. And my parents ended up taking her for the evening as they always graciously do if we need them to. And while I'm out at this restaurant, I see a couple there that I knew I've known since I was younger and they have nine kids, they homeschool. And I went up to them and I was like, nobody can get babysitters. What are your teenagers doing tonight? And they were like, Oh, there's a big, there's a big homeschool dance. There's a big party. Like they're all at that. So none of my friends can get babysitters because of all these, you know, supposedly antisocial homeschoolers who are all at a big party. So I just, I think that is just the story I'm going to tell because I mean, even with my younger siblings who are still at home, they are doing a million things in addition to school. So if anyone's worried about that, you don't have to worry. Yeah. So I think one of those things, especially now your family had a business, how wonderful, again, everybody was involved. It brought that closeness to, it brought you close to the fact that you could be with your mom and your dad um, and they have that accessibility. But what about in terms of like your parish life? How were you guys involved in that? Maybe, you know, extracurricular things. Was that part of the family life as well? Yes. Um, we all have done sports, mostly all swimming. I now have a sister who's on a rowing team, which is very interesting. Um, we were all like, Oh, that's interesting. A team sport. What is that like? Um, you know, we all played the piano. I have a couple of siblings that play the cello, um, or the organ. Um, I, was in youth groups growing up. My siblings are in like Fidelis, Little Flowers. Um, I'm actually, interestingly enough, an adult leader for a Fidelis group, which is a uh, Catholic girls group through a lot of parishes. And my younger sisters are in it. And so I'm going to be with them this weekend because we're on a retreat. And I was... I just think there's so many things that you can do and you do have the flexibility with homeschooling to pick things that actually fit your interests. So I have younger siblings who volunteer through the County, um, for team court. And they did it because I had a few siblings that were interested in law. Um, that's not personally something I was interested in, so I never thought to do it, but they were able to do that because of the flexibility that homeschooling allows. 
So would you say, so one of the things you mentioned too was like grades, okay? So like you're growing up, were you, you know, and that's something I try to talk about. It's called like um, school detox, you know, because most parents come from this background of everybody's got to be in a grade and people who do not homeschool, that's probably one of the first questions they say, so what grade are you in? (laughs) Was that ever an issue, a problem uh, in your growing up that you remember? You know, I remember being in eighth grade and saying, well, I'm in eighth grade, but I'm doing ninth grade math and I'm doing seventh grade something and like this grade, something else. And I think we, it makes sense if you're in a traditional school and you're trying to teach many children at the same time, it makes sense to have a uniform set of expectations because you can't cater to everyone's specific needs and interests beyond, you know, a little bit of wiggle room. And I think it's hard because that's what our society kind of expects and supports to then be presented with an opportunity that you can really personalize everything in your kid's education and take into account their interests and, you know, certain abilities in different subjects might not match abilities in other subjects. And that's fine. They don't have to, but I think it gets a little more complicated, um, in a good way because you can personalize things. So I think it's always that important moment to look at and say, does your kid really need to be in a grade or is this just something that you've been told you need to do? Um, So there was a lot of that growing up, but I think that's a really good thing and a huge benefit that homeschooling gives that you can kind of rely on the specific interests and needs of each individual. So you talked about different interests and needs and that you worked a variety of jobs. So, so walk us through, you know, you're homeschooled, grade school, homeschooled, high school, did a lot of extracurricular things. Then where'd you go? Did you go to college? Were you college bound? And, and walk us through what happened college and then after college. Yeah. So I went right from graduating from being homeschooled to college. I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I did a lot of different things and actually it was my junior year when they put a hold on my account and they told me I couldn't register for classes until I picked a major because I just did have so many interests and I did really enjoy all the opportunities that were available to me because partially I think because I was homeschooled, I wasn't sort of burnt out from the classroom that was a really new experience. And there were just so many resources available. And because I had had this really non-traditional education, I didn't have expectations of what I should do. Like, okay, you go to class and then you do your class and that's fine. Um, I would go up to professors. I would ask them questions. I would say like, Oh, I think that's really interesting what you're researching. Let me know if you ever need any help. And that actually led to a year long uh, research fellowship that I had in social work. Um, social work was not my major. I do not work in social work, but it was a really long and very interesting job that I held in research for social work simply because I went and talked to professors because that was something that was super fun to do after you haven't had teachers your whole life. You are very impressed and you do really go out of your way to talk to people who have expertise in areas that you're interested in. I would say that probably required quite a bit of confidence, but also your ability to articulate your interests and questions. You know, would you attribute some of that to how you were formed in your homeschooling? I would. I think 
you, you know, circling back to something we said before, people ask what grade you're in. And when you don't have necessarily a traditional straightforward answer to that, you do have to be able to express yourself and talk about what you're learning and ideas that you've gained from that in a very succinct way from a very early age. So that just naturally translated to college, talking to professors, talking about other interests you had in other classes and being able to see connections between a variety of fields. That was just something that I had always done. I always had to talk about what I was learning because people would have very natural questions, mostly motivated by curiosity, if anything. Yeah, exactly. That's very true, Clara. And, you know, so one of those curious questions, too, I have, and, and we're doing a lot of things where we're launching presently in our community, um, teen clubs. You know, what do you think about that whole idea of, you know, teen angst and, you know, I, I hate my parents and I don't, you know, my parents don't understand me or that's a whole different generation. Does that even come into play when we're talking about a homeschool family? That's a really interesting question. I think it does. Um, and I think it's been funny more than anything to me um, as I work with middle school and high schoolers. I coach a middle school swim team at a nearby school, um, which is always really interesting because kids always ask like, Oh, did you go to the school? And I say, Oh, well, I didn't go to school. Um, and that really is very confusing to seventh and eighth graders who have never heard of that before. And then volunteering just at my parish with a high school girls ministry. I think that there's a level where that is just part of the teenage years. But I also think Half of my conversations with these kids, both in middle school and high school and just different levels, I always just look at them and say like, wow, like that is awesome that your parents are doing X, Y, and Z. Or like, have you thought about that your parents like do that for you? That's crazy. Um, and I think now having a nine month old of my own, like this is a lot of work being a parent. And I think you don't see that in middle and high school. You just don't. I don't think I did really. Um, so as I feel like if there was a parent going through that, you just have to look and say like, this is just kind of something that happens. And I think kids grow out of it and understand it, but it really, you want them to be around people who are going to not react as much to it and then speak really positively and encouragingly of your parents versus perhaps encouraging or leaning into that teenage angst that just is there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, there's this, I think, unrealistic expectations amongst homeschool families that, you know, if you just do it right, or again, many of our beautiful, you know, Christian brothers and sisters quote, you know, Proverbs that's, you know, if you train up a child in the way he shall go, he shall not, you know, deter or change from it. And, and I always love to bring in that statement of, you know, yeah, but you're not perfect as a parent and they have free will, <laughs> yeah. but that dynamic in the thing, but it is a knack. There are natural stages. There's also different temperaments with our kids. You know, some of my kids push the buttons in a very different way than other ones did. And it is all about testing boundaries mm. and becoming an individual. And we do that perhaps in an immature way which is just, I'm going to rebel against everything my parents do until we start maturing through that. So what would you say um, were some of your favorite memories growing up homeschooling with your kids? Are there certain things that really stick out in your mind um, that, yeah, any of those? 
You know, I think something that I know I took for granted that now I'm very nostalgic for is just the amount of time I got to spend with my siblings. Um, I have three siblings in the military now, so their schedules are not their own. Um, and we do not see them as much as we would like. And I think, I just think about all those days when we'd be together for the majority of the day, not necessarily doing things together, but we'd all be home doing our various classes, practicing the piano. And you're not really going to appreciate those in the moment. And I don't think, I'm sure as a parent, you don't appreciate those moments, but those are very nostalgic for me. Just the life that you get to do with your family and with your siblings every day that you don't necessarily get if you aren't home. Yeah. And that's, you know, thank you, Clara, for that, because there is this, this um, beauty and a gift to remember that being present, being present in the moment, whether you're the homeschool child or you're the parents who is homeschooling, because we're constantly bombarded by this accomplishment, check off list, success, and I'm not going to be enough. We're not doing enough. We're falling behind when you can't really reclaim that time. It's this beautiful, you know, it's not like you want to prolong it forever. Maybe sometimes you do. (laughs) Some days you want to shorten it. But (laughs) the idea is that truly being present, resting in that moment. It's beautiful. So I want to now kind of change gears slightly and talk about the stuff that you're doing now. So here we are. We talked about all that all that, how did that prepare you for what you're doing now? And tell me a little bit about what's a day in the life of Clara at Homeschool Heroes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, there are so many things that you don't realize were skills you learned that five and 10 years later, you understand why you learned them. Um, you know, I think one thing that homeschooling does incredibly well is it teaches a huge level of accountability and an ability to manage your own schedule and juggle a lot of things. Um, so Holy Heroes is still pretty small. Um, we have a small office that we all work out of. You can probably see like my crazy whiteboard behind me and I juggle a lot of things and every day is very different. Um, and now, you know, having a nine month old, that's a whole other thing. Um, which is just balancing, okay, you know, who can watch Edie for a day? Okay. Oh no, somebody's sick. Okay. We're going to work from home and still getting everything done. That takes a huge level of flexibility and accountability to yourself and other people who are relying on you. Um, I think that's, those are skills that we should probably like think about teaching a lot more than we do and just learning how to navigate life. So Every day is very different for me. I am in charge of a lot of the online adventures, Lenten adventure, Advent adventure, Marian consecration adventure. Um, I actually was the person who created the Marian consecration adventure when I was working another job after college, before I came back to Holy Heroes. So it's a really fun, it's really fun to come back as an adult and work for the company that you watched grow up and to also work somewhere where you really believe in the mission and the quality of what you're doing. I don't, I do not take that for granted after other jobs I have worked. Oh, what are some of those other jobs that you worked just to give us a little, little. (laughs) Um, so very interestingly enough, I worked in school administration, 
um, <laughs> after college. Um, I worked in the alumni relations and marketing more than anything else. So that was very interesting to work at a K through 12 private school after never having any contacts. I went to like my first high school football game in a pep rally, like did not know what those were before. Uh, I started working there. Um, I did work, um, in the UK parliament actually, which was a whole lot of fun. Um, that was during college and that made me realize like I could not handle the stress of politics anymore after that. So, you know, just, I worked in alumni relations at Chapel Hill actually, um, in fundraising, a lot of just different jobs because I did what interested me. And again, when you're really flexible and can manage a lot, it's kind of amazing what people will hire you to do. Yeah. And I find that, you know, and again, even for, I've seen that with my own children, with a lot of the families that I know it's, you know, I think Clara, there's, there's is a fun fundamentally, you know, like you said there, you have already built into you this ability to not think just linearly, you know, I'm going to go to school for X job and then that's what it's going to be. So it's this ability to, to be able to ask questions, find, pursue interests. And what I hear from you is you're, you know, you're, you're just interested in a lot of things and you're not afraid to ask questions and want to learn about it. And that, that really kind of, yeah, that's the spirit of homeschooling, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. And it's a, and it's it, well, kind of what you said, going to school for something and saying, well, this is the job I'm going to get after this. Um, that's just not life anymore. If that even was at any point, I was an English and political science major. Um, I do not teach English and I am not in politics. I don't know. Are those the natural jobs people assume you get after those two majors? Um, but like I said, I just took classes that interested me. And then, you know, eventually I did need to pick a major and fulfill some credits. But I think thinking really linear, linearly and expecting a certain outcome because of what you put in, it isn't life. And it's not as fun and it's not really as interesting to all the people in the different interviews I would be in. And I remember one time at the end of an interview for a job that I, de- I didn't get, but at the end of the interview, the gentleman interviewed me just said, you know, I just, I really, I just really have a question for you. Um, what exactly do you plan to do with your life? Because he was looking at my resume and it was really interesting. I was grossly underqualified for this job. I don't understand how I even got the interview, but I think they were so confused by my resume. They just wanted to talk to me. And even though they did not offer me the job, they passed my resume and name onto someone else at a different company who also interviewed me because the resume was just so unusual to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it too, as well. And and I say that I I encourage parents and I know that that's happened with my own kids is when my children or our families, again, that I've known, you encourage them to follow your interests, which I really truly believe God has planted in your hearts, you know, um, and as long as it's not for vainglory, but it's for the glory of God, you know, he does pave these paths for you to use that. But, you know, it, it is, it's really amazing how you stand out in the crowd, like in a good way. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's again, get back to Holy Heroes now too, because we're doing this and it's, I think, 20 days out 
to Lent. And that's why I wanted to make sure I got you, Clara, because I know before it's going to get super busy again. But tell me a little bit about, because I know it's been a, a real blessing for our family to live a liturgical life. And, and what has been, like, where did that motivation come for your family to start this adventure? And, and I love, by the way, hope people go and sign up right away for the Lenten adventure. But I love the videos and things, you know, and the ones, especially in the archives of you guys as little ones explaining yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So where did all that come from? Um, nothing makes you confident than having your entire middle school available on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so all the years with braces, but no, they're also really fun to watch now. And every once in a while, when I'm running these programs, I'll send some of those really old videos to my siblings. Cause it's just so funny. New level. So of let's an event. Yes. Yes. New <laughs> level. Disappear. <laughs> yep. And thousands of other people they'll send us, we'll get these funny emails sometimes and they'll be like, how old are you guys now? Like we, and they think, and actually my brother was, and he's in the military. He was like on a military base. And this girl came up to him, like a woman came up to him and said, are you Trey from Holy Heroes? And all of his like military buddies were like, what is she talking about? Um, so Lenten Adventure is an online daily program that we run through Lent. Um, we've done it for over a decade now. They are daily emails and they have videos, activities, coloring pages. Um, we have audio that you can pray along to for the rosary and the stations of the cross. We have a lot of families that that's how they teach their kids, the stations of the cross during Lent. Um, we also have a special segment towards the end of Lent, where we actually walk through the entire mass over a couple weeks to explain and break down each part of the mass to really help kids engage in it more fully and really understand what's going on. And these videos are all done again, like by my siblings and I through the years. So it's all done by kids for kids, which I think has a very special quality. It's not an adult teaching kids, it's other kids teaching them. Um, and something that we did over the last few years is we went back and actually put captions on all of the YouTube videos because we had so many people who said that they had kids with different learning disabilities and different special accommodations that needed the captions. So we actually have a huge amount of families who use this as a way to teach kids who need maybe less traditional learning methods or have um, different needs that can be met really well through more engaging activities and shorter, you know, quote unquote lessons, really the YouTube videos. Um, and we just get the nicest emails from parents about that. I would say that, um, you know, your the natural extension of homeschooling is the formation of the domestic church. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like such a beautiful thing that your family has done to naturally say, okay, this is what our family's doing. Let's yeah. put it on video. Let's have resources. And we're going to travel that journey with you. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's an extension of a homeschooled family, you know, being a part multi-generational. It's not like each kid's doing something differently. You're doing it all together. Um, do you also, I know you do it bilingual. I, I know there's many more homeschooling families now that are Spanish speaking families as well, or some of those materials in other languages. Yes, there are some materials in other languages. Our rosaries are all bilingual. There are options for those. Um, and we actually over on the Holy Heroes blog, we also will release different 
coloring page downloads to celebrate specific feasts, you know, following along the liturgical year to build up the domestic church. And funnily enough, the one that was published for today's feast, um, when we're recording, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, that's actually a bilingual coloring page. So that's interesting that you bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Well, I also wanted to um, talk about the publishing. Um, here are yes. two, just two examples of many beautiful books, but these are ones that you started publishing yourself. And this one, I mean, absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous way. I mean, again, I have grandchildren now, so you know, they're all getting these. I also got you know, Christmas books for them as well. But this one, I love how we're great. We're just taking the creed. But what we're doing with the creed, and thank you, your mother signed my book. Yay. We're truth beauty i don't know if people could see but the absolutely gorgeous these are like just nice heavy pages and how beautiful the images and then i love how you have this part here where they they have to then try to find these little images and it's it's just engaging children at the appropriate level with beauty and then i love this one too which again I, you know, again, Emmanuel books for years and years, uh, our family always looked for things for little guys. How do you say the rosary together? And here we have is this beautiful rosary book and it's all a picture book. And I love it because it tells the story of a real family. Like, yeah. you know, especially what I love this, this one where she's getting, I don't know if people can, will see it, but she's getting the rosary. And it's all a tangled mess. Yeah. Who doesn't in a homeschool family not have a bucket of tangled mess rosaries? <laughs> yes. So how did the publishing start too? Um, you know, I just think it was a really natural extension when Holy Heroes um, first started. It was all audio rosaries and coloring books. Um, then we very quickly branched out with the Glory Stories collection, um, the dramatized lives of the saints. That's also kind of funny. I was the young St. Clair when I was about seven years old. So Yay. it's always funny now when my kids, like my friends, kids listen to it. It's a little interesting. Um, but what a the, legacy. What a beautiful I legacy. know. It is really I funny. And I was kids listen to it. And now my grandchildren listening to it. It's just so beautiful. You know, the glory stories are absolutely incredible. I was just talking to someone today and she had never heard of them. And I just told her, I was like, I grew up with these. These aren't new shiny things. And when I listen to some of them, they still like make me emotional because these are really powerful stories and uh, stories, you know, stories matter. They touch us in a really special way. That's something that homeschooling leans into in a really beautiful way. And that's part of why we really did move into publishing children's books. And one of, you know, the Lucy and Patrick pray the rosary, that new picture book, one of the big, you know, missions behind it was, can we start making stories that show Catholic families just doing normal things? Like the point of it doesn't have to be like Catholic books shouldn't just be about saints. That's, that's great. If they are again, like glory story, saints are a huge part of our life, but I think there's something special about just normal kids being Catholic, because I think that really helps young children to see that this is a normal and good thing to do. And look, there are people in your books who are just like you. Yeah. And, and the idea too, that, okay. So the saints, you know, I, I really think the saints, certain saints call us. And so the glory stories are that beautiful extension of that, 
But I love what you said about just seeing Catholic families, Catholic kids, just doing what comes naturally, you know, and then especially in a world, Clara, you know, we can't, you know, really kind of gloss over this, but they're really trying to destroy family and the family and trying to obscure what that looks like. So our ability to do that, and and I know (laughs) for children's books, really hard to find good, true, beautiful books to be able, because we are, you know, I like to always say we are what we eat. Yeah, we are what we read as well. (laughs) Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more and have a nine month old. So there's definitely been a lot of really interesting conversations that I've had with people and I've started to have with a lot of my friends that all have young kids. I mean, we are the kind of next generation that are really grappling with some big issues and big topics right now for our kids. Well, especially when you're talking about, you know, the little phones, you know, that are a major destruction, you know, and, and you were talking about a restaurant going in there and seeing that family with nine. I really wonder if that family were sitting around and everybody was on tablets, you know, or were they actually having a lively conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah, and- no, phones are Phones are a whole thing, but you're also talking to someone who personally doesn't have internet or a TV in her home. So I am way off of the grid for that. Well, I know. And even I see that it was interesting, even in my own family, my, my daughter-in-law saying that, you know, her daughter uh, goes to like a, a lovely little atrium, you know, Montessori oh. atrium. And again, the, the teacher just commenting and saying, she realized she's like, you don't have a lot of, t- you don't do TV. I can tell because the ability for children to focus, to actually look people in the eye, to be engaged in story, you know, comes from the experience in their formative years. And well, I love how you guys have done this, you know, in audio. You know, it's one of those things that like we, we sort of forget what an incredible tool, uh, life skill, as well as a way to listen, you know, some of our children are, are, you know, auditory strong, but it's also that ability to pause and listen carefully is another life skill. It's great. Yeah. And I think it really relies on kids engaging their imagination and it's, we get so many messages and emails about this too. And I, and we have for years where people would say, you know, oh, are these DVDs? And we'd say, no, they're CDs. And they would say like, oh no, my kids wouldn't like, that's not going to do it for my kids. And sometimes they'll still order one or we'll just send them one. And we'll just say, just try it. And they will come back and order every single other one. And they'll say, I don't even like, I did not anticipate this. Someone even left a comment and they said, don't take it that my kids don't look at screens. My kids watch SpongeBob, but let me tell you like these captivate in a way that I could not have anticipated. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the first one is that these are true words of the saints. And when you are someone who is that close to God, your words hold incredible weight, um, even decades or hundreds of years later. And I think also we have underestimated the impact that hearing stories and storytelling, we have underestimated that and we've traded that in for entertainment and stimulation. And we're seeing that that doesn't replace storytelling and storytelling still captivates. Even if you have kids that are used to stimulation and, you know, screens, there is something that auditory storytelling just can't 
will not replace be replaced. Right, right. No, and it's really important. If anything, also, it's um, the ability to hear a story word for word, you know, because even when children, I see this happen all the time, parents think, okay, well, my children know how to read and okay, there, you're on your own. And they don't do either read aloud time or listening to audiobooks or audio stories like the glory stories. And they're missing that opportunity because authors deliberately write things in a specific pattern, very often more sophisticated than, you know, the child is reading. And, and even if you're a good reader and you usually skim, so it's a really important function. You can't kind of skip. (laughs) Yes. No, I mean, that's so true. I was an English major. I, my goal is to read at least a hundred books a year as an adult. And I've hit that goal for many years, but I will reread books and listen to the audio because it's a different experience. You get something else out of it and it helps kind of instill parts of the book that you may have just skimmed over. So I absolutely agree with that. And use your imagination as you had said too, exactly. And being able to, and it is where we learn the mysterious in our imaginations. You know, it really is the transcendent comes to us and being able to develop it and control it in, in a functional way that we can know God in that mysterious way is a lovely gift. Well, I want to um, say, you know, is there anything else coming down the pike? You know, I mean, I know Lent, get everybody sign up for the Lenten adventure, anything else that's, uh, and the books, please, you know, again, we will put links to the books here. We'll put links to the Lenten adventure, but anything else you want to parting words, you want to leave Catholic homeschool families as a Catholic homeschool person yourself to give encouragement to these parents, what would you say, Clara? I think I would say that it's worth it. Um, so many people now ask me about being homeschooled as so many more families are considering it for their, you know, young families. When people hear that I was homeschooled, they always want to ask me about it. And I think there, there's a lot of room in the conversation for curriculum or extracurriculars. And, you know, what did you do for that? What does your family structure look like for this? But I think at the end of the day, whatever you do, however you do it, homeschooling is worth it in a way that I don't think a lot of other choices you make for your family are in the sense that it is something that is lasting and that will matter for many, many years versus other choices that might not have that impact. So if you feel like homeschooling is something that you want to do for your family, perhaps it's something you already doing. I would just say, even if it seems really hard right now, it is worth it in the long run. And I will continue to say that for years to come because I'm just so grateful for it. And it shaped my life in ways that I don't think anything else could have. Oh, Clara, that's so beautiful. And it's, it's, it is such an important thing. And I think it's so powerful coming from somebody who was homeschooled, you know, because very often are, as I said, the parents are feeling like I'm going to ruin my children. And I, and I don't know if this works. And there you are, you have just demonstrated for us the beauty, the joy, the gift of homeschool. And I want to just let people know the Catholic homeschool community is a place for you to come do and find support. And uh, there'll also be this podcast there, as well as our brand new YouTube channel. Um, Again, we'll put the link so everybody hopefully will see this. I want to thank Clara. Thank you so much. 
I want to thank your parents again <laughs> so much too for the choice to homeschool, for the choice to be able to share your family's beautiful domestic church in such a way that now it's a legacy for us to pass on and, and an example, easy, beautiful ways for us to easily um, become domestic churches and live the liturgical year. Thank you, Clara. May God Thanks bless you. Me. You are so welcome. Come back again sometime. Take care. <laughs> Take care and take care, everybody. May God bless you abundantly. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please consider liking it and subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you and have a blessed day.